0: Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Thanks for joining today's podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to build a financial fortress. You know, there's five key areas to life we always teach on at our company, Buffini Company, which is the spiritual aspect of your life, the family and relationship circle of your life, the business or career circle of your life, there's the financial piece, and then there's the personal circle, which would be physical and emotional well-being. And of all the five areas that we encourage people to support them and help them, ultimately the financial one is the one that causes the most stress, the most difficulties, the most challenges in relationships. But ultimately, it's the content that's easiest to learn. And I really believe this is really going to help you today. And first of all, I want to thank you. You know, in the first four weeks of this podcast being launched, we're having over 50,000 folks join in in over 60 countries. And so it's just fantastic. Really appreciate you guys joining us. And I really, really appreciate all your referrals. Tell your friends to check out The Brian Buffini Show. Our mission is to positively influence as many people as we can in living a good life so thanks for joining us and we've had a lot of fun dave lally our producer and also uh the creator of our theme song he's been doing a heck of a job so dave great job to you in all the places that this show is going i appreciate that brian you know as the producer we're loving all the reviews that you guys are leaving Mm -hmm. on itunes great to see them and keep them coming it's super helpful to get the feedback we want to know what you think And who knows, we might even publish one of them one of these days. Nice, nice, very good. Well, Mr. Lally will be joining me in a more uh, proactive way on a lot of these shows to come. He has a great way of asking questions. He has this journalistic background that he studied and and developed, and he's been a writer for me for many, many years. And uh, as you can tell from the lilt, he's got a lovely Galway accent and not a bad singer himself, so... I think you'll enjoy uh, hearing more and more from Mr. Lally and the questions that he asks and the nuggets that it'll bring out. But today I want to talk to you about building a financial fortress. You know, for me, I came to America with 92 bucks in my wallet and I've built a financial fortress. I've helped my company and a lot of folks weather through recessions and upsides and downsides. And uh, we're doing all right. We're eating good, as they say, back home. But that wasn't where I started. You know, I started in a, a very small terraced home. On the south side of Dublin, five boys and a girl and our grandparents living with us on the weekends. You know, one bathroom. I always used to say the upside was you never got a cold seat on the toilet, you know. No heat in the house, probably uh, under 800 square foot, the house. was a very small home, and yet we'd have 10 people knocking around the place. A lot of love in our home, not a lot of resources. But when I came to America, what I realized was I wasn't just, you know, grew up economically. The Americans would have considered poor But I was also broke and broke I discovered was my state of account but poor was my state of mind and that's when bit by bit as I moved to the states I had a chance to meet people who were successful in different areas especially financially successful I'm living in San Diego for 30 years and there's a lot of people here choose to live here move here from different parts of the country and world because there's such a perfect climate and I got a chance to meet some of these folks sometimes at church sometimes through my work association wherever And I take them to lunch. And over time, I found out that I was broke and I was poor. I knew I didn't have a lot of money, but I didn't realize that my thinking needed to change. And I needed to change how I viewed money. And, you know, back home, as much as I love my home of Ireland and go there all the time, I was born in the 60s. But growing up in the 80s, my formative years was a pretty tough time. You know, Ireland in the 80s was considered a third world economic power. And we just didn't have any money. And I remember standing on the street corner one time with a bunch of lads, and a fellow went down the street in a brand new Mercedes. And one of the fellows turns to the other guys and goes, man, I wonder who we had to screw over to get that. And that was part of the prevailing thought, that if someone had more, it meant someone else had less. A scarcity mentality. Or that someone was less than ethical or honest if they became successful. And I'm not sure I believed that, but I did believe that perhaps... If you became economically successful, you might become snobbish or a a bit of a jerk or lorded over people or those kinds of things. And it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey. And it was as I met successful people, and as I met people who'd done well economically, and I found out they were great men and women or they had great families. They were great brothers and sisters and daughters and mothers and husbands and fathers. And they were great people who had great insights. And actually, to be honest with you, the more successful people I met, I went, oh, boy, and now I understand why it's lonely at the top. So today, I want to share with you a few things. First thing we're going to do is just a little bit of facts and figures that kind of expose the culture's attitude towards money. Then I'm going to contrast that with the high performance mindset towards economic well-being. And then lastly, I'm going to get into a bunch of how-tos and checklists, if you will, that will present both a defensive and offensive strategy. And we'll talk about that and why that's an important methodology, but also tied to a mindset piece. Because many people are afraid to become economically well-to-do because they're fear of losing it. And I want to talk to you about how to have a defensive strategy so you don't lose it, and an offensive strategy so you know how to grow it. So let's talk a little bit about the culture's attitude towards money. First of all, 80% of people say that money worries has cost them night's sleep. Not enough savings or job issues or debt and credit issues have affected their personal relationships. And so it's very prevalent. And money is a very misunderstood topic. There's twice as many references in the Bible to money than there is to love. And that must be because we'd screw up money so bad. So the first attitude that I see, the mindset that the culture has towards money is avoidance. Gallup says that 65% of Americans don't vote. Wells Fargo, who's our corporate sponsor, did this massive survey, and they said that 82% of people would rather talk about any subject other than money. They'd talk about their sex life before they would talk about their financial life. Amazing thing. There's things we just don't do. Americans are not budgeting their funds. Last year, there were $6 billion in unused gift cards. That's $6 billion with a B, where somebody purchased a gift card, gave it to someone else, and that person didn't use it. Americans pay seven billion with a B, a billion, in ATM fees every year. You know, someone's getting 20 bucks or 40 bucks or 60 bucks and paying two dollars to go get it, or 2 dollars and 50 cents. In Vegas, they have ATMs all over the casino, and you go get 100 bucks, it'll cost you five dollars to get it. That's a very, very, very powerful rate of return. Again, we avoid money, we don't embrace money. there's little things we don't know money, and then we get into trouble. The second attitude towards money that I found is one of worship. And I found this again. I I love America. I'm American by choice. I became a citizen in 2002. But the almighty dollar. The word almighty is only ever used towards God in most parts of the world. But in America you can say the phrase almighty dollar. And sometimes the dollar is almighty. Have you ever been to a Black Friday sale and seen people fighting over one another trying to get, you know, a discount on a plasma screen or a dishwasher or something? crazy as a guy with resources i can tell you that people often treat me differently because i have resources and not authentically and sometimes they put you on a pedestal or they bend over backwards and sometimes by the way it's it's an odd deal when you realize you're not being treated like a regular person money's a big deal you know americans spent 65 billion dollars last year on winning the lottery poor people spend approximately nine percent of their income on lottery tickets and yet the odds of winning the grand prize is one in 195 million. By the way, some of you are listening to this gone, geez, that's not bad. Maybe I'll buy a ticket. So I don't know what to say. But the culture has some interesting attitudes towards money, whether it's avoidance, worship. The other thing is this status. It's a status. When I get this and when I acquire this, when I buy this house or when I have this much money in the bank, I will feel this way about myself. And boy, uh, let me tell you, you will never have enough to fill the hole. ...that you're trying to fill. That hole's got to get filled somewhere else. Georgie Best was my favorite soccer player growing up. Georgie Best was from Northern Ireland. He was a phenom as a teenager. And he was on Manchester United as a teenager. And Georgie lived fast and hard... ...and didn't have a lot of help... a mentoring and so on and so forth. And he burned out eventually... And, ...and became an alcoholic. And it was a sad end to him. But he said, I spent a lot of money on booze, women and fast cars. The rest, I just squandered. So... Georgie, the, the booze, the women, and the fast cars apparently was the good investment part of his strategy. But there's a status symbol that people associate. You know, many people don't like the idea of becoming rich. And what I found is more people. In fact, eighty percent of people surveyed have a fear of success, and only twenty percent have a fear of failure. The fact of the matter is, many people they think a I would like to have this status, or b I don't want to be perceived this way, so I don't want to be successful. All I'm going to say to you is that might be the culture's attitude towards money. You want to be successful, you've got to be countercultural. That means you can't avoid it. That means you can't worship it. And that you can't believe it's going to do anything for you to change your status. Your status is who you are, not what you have. Secrecy is another attitude. I mentioned the Wells Fargo study saying, you know, over 80% of people would rather talk about any subject other than money so we end up you know being embarrassed about it or being ashamed of it or we've made mistakes or dings on our credit and so what happens is it becomes the private part of our life that's all well until you go and get in a relationship with somebody if you share your life economically with somebody it can't be avoided and therefore creates a lot of conflict for folks the other thing that goes on in the culture is confusion And rightly so if you go into google and put in books on finance you'll get 460 plus million results there's a lot of information one guy says if you do this you'll be rich and the next book says if you do that you'll be broke there's a lot of confusion well here's the thing the next time you read a book like that you got to ask the guy what's your net worth how are you doing how's your economics and here's the thing I'm not going to sit here and and flex my economic muscles, but I can tell you this, I've been there, done that. I've been broke, I've been poor. I've built a fortune, I've lost a fortune, and I ultimately learned how to build a financial fortress. And that's the spot I'm in today. So let me tell you about the high-performance mindset with regards to money. First, that knowledge is power. You know, people say ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bankruptcy. Knowledge is power. You need to go and become a student of money. What happened is when I started listening to people and going to lunch with successful people economically, they'd recommend a book to me. And I started on that journey. When I was just a couple of years in the States, I read a book recommended to me by three people called The Richest Man in Babylon by George Clayson. The book at the time cost me $6.95. It's a series of short stories and parables. I've read it to all my kids as bedtime stories. That book is the first book that put me down the path to becoming a millionaire. I didn't have to be lucky. I didn't have to be in the right place at the right time. I just had to learn about it. And knowledge is power. And it does great things for you. One of my favorite comedians is the great legendary Groucho Marx. And he goes, money frees you up from doing things you dislike. Since I dislike doing nearly everything, money's handy. So, you know, it is handy. And knowledge is the way to get there. The second thing is that money is a tool to be respected. Money's just a tool. It doesn't have any power to it and of itself. It's just a tool to be respected. I like to say that money's like fire. It can heat your home and cook your food, or it can burn down the place. So it's a tool to be respected. Debt is a tool to be respected. I don't think debt is something to be avoided. I think it's to be respected and to be controlled and to be managed. Next, high performance attitude towards money is that it provides a grounded identity. A grounded identity. George Lorimer was the famous editor of the Saturday Evening Post, and he said, It's good to have money and the things that money can buy. But it's good, too, to check up once in a while and make sure that you haven't lost the things that money can't buy. The great Zig Ziglar used to say, Money can buy you a bed, but it can't get you a good night's sleep. And so, you know, a grounded identity, who you are. i never forget it. I pulled in, I was in San Antonio, Texas, a number of years ago. And when you fly around privately, there's a lot of these things called FBOs or fixed base operations. And there's over 6,000 different airfields you can fly to in, in just the U.S. alone. You get gas, you get a little food, go to the bathroom, whatever else. When I travel cross country, I typically don't want to travel the whole time. I'd I take stop off a couple hours into it. And so one time I land in San Antonio and there are three of these global airplanes. They're like a, a G5, a Global Express, these 40 and 50 million dollar airplanes towering over my airplane which is a Lear 45 and I'm there and all of a sudden this little car comes through the security gate and it's an old Ford F-150 from the 70s kind of dinged up the right fender's a little bent little old guy gets out wearing a pair of jeans a belt buckle that looked like a manhole cover and 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 an old cowboy hat as I'm there I'm talking to my pilot who's talking to one of the pilots of the Global Express and I turn to him and I go is that the owner? and he goes yep I go which one of these planes does he own? he goes all of them now this little dude is driving around in a 40 year old beat up pickup truck and a pair of jeans and this and and any other and just he's a grounded identity the guy knows who he is and what he is and he doesn't need to have this thing as a status symbol you know and that's the truth of it and many many folks at the top of the ladder come from that place not all but many do the next high performance mindset towards money is clarity and alignment And you need to have clarity with regards to what you want money to do for you. And an alignment in that, an alignment of your values. So you want to align your resources with your values. And I like to say, uh, my first mentor, Dr. Alex Lack, used to say, show me your day timer and show me your checkbook and I'll tell you who you are and what you believe. So there should be an alignment with your finances and what you believe in and what's important to you. And you should have clarity. Like, here's what's important to me. Here's what's important to us. Errol Wilson was a famous journalist his mindset towards money was if you think nobody cares if you're alive try missing a couple of car payments so you want to make sure that your values are aligned okay lastly the high performance mindset towards money is that you need a path to follow you got to have a path to follow you're you're running on a track And that's an important thing. You know, Warren Buffett has a formula, right? And he was mentored by Benjamin Graham, who wrote the book Intelligent Investor. But he has a series of principles. I only invest in what I know and those kinds of things. But he also had another principle on what he does and what he invests in. He goes, I try to buy stock in businesses that are so wonderful that an idiot can run them. Because sooner or later, one will. Okay, and so there's just some great thoughts there on the high performance mindset towards money, which is knowledge is power and it's a tool to be respected. You know, you have to have a grounded identity and clarity and alignment and it's a path to follow versus avoidance, worship, status symbols, secrecy and having confusion about it. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to share with you some practical how to's that are going to break down into a checklist. One of the things I talk about when I have a chance to be with people in a live seminar setting is I'll often show them an image of a, of a fountain that we have at our company. We have this 12-foot fountain that has these three giant bowls. And the bowl at the top represents stability. The bowl in the middle represents success. And the bowl at the bottom represents significance. And what happens is, as the water fills up the first bowl, it flows into the second, and then from the second one down into the third, like many fountains, and then pumped all the way up to the top. And so I want you to think in terms of stability is the top bowl, success is the middle bowl, and significance is the bottom bowl. And I'm going to lay out for you a defensive strategy to get stability, economic stability, and then I'll show you an offensive strategy so how you can grow from there. Okay? And so if you do that type of stuff, if you follow it, you'll follow what's called the sequence. And the sequence is about having the horse in front of the cart, not the cart in front of the horse. Many people make financial decisions or any kind of decisions and it's not that it's a bad decision it's just it's out of sequence it's not the time and there's a season and a time for everything and many people they might make a very very powerful aggressive play with their money which is a fantastic play but they just don't have their ducks in a row and so what happens is many times you'll hear somebody say i went for it i pursued my dream i put my money into this and i lost it all when somebody loses it all there's only one reason they're out of sequence they're out of the sequence of stability then get success, and then significance, and that's the dynamic. Significance would be those things maybe that are more altruistic or given back, and there's no point in being so heavenly-minded you're no earthly good. I heard just a terrible news for me the other day. I was in a dinner event in Richmond, and and a man by the name of Webb Johnson, I just heard it passed away, and I met Webb Johnson almost 20 years ago, And here was a guy that was this six foot five, beautiful guy who absolutely had a heart of gold. One of the nicest human beings, heart of gold, mentoring type guys I've ever met. And he introduced me to people and he had people in his database and his relationships that were charities I've been involved with. And Webb wanted to save the world and he wanted to help people. And he was also a fantastic connector because he could put people together. But Webb ultimately went down a spiral trail because Webb didn't take care of business at home. So Webb would be working with me with the Piney Wood School, which is an all-African-American boarding school in Mississippi, where we're trying to get these guys economically funded to do this phenomenal work where basically 100% of these kids are going on and graduating and going to college. And yet I find out later that Webb's missing payments on his cars and on his home, and he's having trouble with his marriage. He's out of sequence. And I tell this story as a cautionary tale because this is a guy I loved. And I really respected him and I really liked him. And again, he had a little bit of the secrecy going on. So he's talking to me as a successful economic guy about how to do these significant things and pay back and help these organizations and charities do well. And he was so in tune with that. But not paying his bills and not taking care of his home life led to divorce. And divorce led to depression. And depression led to just a whole spiral of things. Webb Johnson died a couple weeks ago and he died prematurely. And the world lost a special soul. That was designed to really do great things and you know what killed Webb Johnson is that he was out of sequence he wanted to save the world but he didn't take care of himself first so this message here today is dedicated to Webb Johnson and to a guy I loved some lessons are for us to copy and some lessons are for us to be cautionary tales and so I'm going to share this in that spirit here today so let's get our stable financial picture in place here's the first thing on the defensive side, this means we don't lose it, is a working home budget. And today this is so much easier than ever before. There are so many apps, there are so many online tools, Mint.com, BillGuard, Learnvest, you name it, there's fantastic tools out there that you can manage your funds on a daily basis and manage a working home budget. You have to control the funds. If I ask you where's your money going, you go, I just don't know. It just evaporates. Let me tell you, you will never be successful economically. So you've got to have a working home budget. Second thing you've got to do is pay down consumer debt. You know, in the States alone, the average American has $15,000 in credit card debt. The average student loan is $32,000. And those things, let me tell you, you can't get rid of those things. It's easy to get into debt. Student loan is now the second highest debt in the United States. And uh, it's hard to get rid of. Let me tell you, you need a system to follow to get rid of those things. And so we have a resource. You go to BrianBuffini.com and we've given you a resource for a little formula on how to actually pay down your debt, okay? And uh, we call it the rollover plan and it shows you how in a series of steps in a concentrated time using small amounts of money where you can just take your debt and just pay it down and have your money go to work for you instead of working against you. If you want to read a book on the subject, uh, my good pal Dave Ramsey wrote the book The Total Money Makeover, And that's my favorite book for people who just want to get their finances on the right track. So get the work and home budget, then pay down that consumer debt. The third thing, which might surprise you, is a will. You know, 50% of people in North America do not have a will. And it's shocking because it's so easy to do now. You know, you can buy these forms and the Kinko's for 25 bucks. You can get apps for this. There's stuff online. Now, for me, I recommend you go see an attorney. But if you don't have the money or the time, if you love anybody... And you have something you must have in writing a will. And I'm going to say, if you don't have a will, you don't love anybody. And you don't have anything. Now, that may sound terse, but let me tell you this. The number of people that I've had to help in life whose family member died intestate without a will, and the level of chaos that that leaves behind, and that someone who was loved and beloved leaves this terrible taste and this bad stink. And it's just, all of a sudden, somebody's... When these people who love this person think about that person, they have this bad taste in their mouth, and this. as much as they love the person, it just doesn't leave it in the right way. And here's the thing, it ain't that bloody hard. So go get yourself a will. Here's the upside of it. The Hall of Fame coach, Dean Smith, passed away here uh, not so long ago. And one of the things, because he took the time with his will... One of the things he did was he had his lawyer, as he settled his estate, send a letter to every single player that had ever played for him, along with the $200 check for that player to go and have a nice night out on the coach. Michael Jordan, who's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, the richest athlete that's ever lived, said that $200 he received was the most meaningful money he'd seen in that entire year. Dean Smith left his players with a great aftertaste and a legacy by doing something as small and insignificant as a couple hundred bucks for a nice night out and a letter. That is living well. And that to me is a great defensive strategy. The next little piece is to have an automatic withdrawal into your savings account. So I recommend twice a month that a certain amount of money whatever you decide I started 26 years ago, My Bride Beverly, where 50 bucks would come out on the third of the month and the 17th of the month. And we've done that for 26 years. Here's what I'm going to share with you. Over the years, the numbers change. We don't do 50 bucks every two weeks anymore. Now we do more. But here's the thing. I'm going to say that automatic payment has done more for us to build an economic fortune than anything else. You all know the principle of paying yourself first. Most of you listening have some kind of bill you pay automatically well, if you believe in paying yourself first, then pay yourself automatically first. You should be the first payment you make every month. Money should go from your checking account into your savings account. Do it automatically. This stuff changes people's lives. This is what I've been doing for a long time. We had Tim and Gina Johnson, who are clients of ours, they were buying and flipping and turning houses back in the in the heady days, the mid-2000s. And between 2008 and 2010, they lost 10 properties to short sales, basically having to give them back to the bank between those two years and they lost their primary home. Just a devastating thing. And it just hurt like heck. And we took those folks on board and their coach worked with them and we said, okay, first goal, let's pay off all the debts you have. Second, let's build up your cash reserves. And let's third, what do you want to do long term with your money? What would be a goal that would just be awesome? And Tim had grown up sailing, and they live in Reddington Shores, Florida, right by the water. And they said, well, we'd love to sail. We'd love to sail a month a year. So they put up a poster. They actually got a piece of wood and had it nicely painted. It looked like the deck of a ship. It was January 2015, and that was when they were going to go and get their boat. And they put that up while they were still in 2011 in the depths of despair. And they chipped away, chipped away, paid off their debts, stayed with the system, used the process, paid off that debt, used the working budget, got the automatic savings, got their one month's of reserves in cash, which is the last piece of defense. They got one month's reserves in cash. Did that, did that, check the box, check the box, check the box. Now, along with their coach, they start working towards building up an account to go buy a boat. And sure enough, just in twenty fifteen, they had their boat, which they paid in cash. By the way, when they paid in cash, they didn't buy as expensive a boat. They bought something for thirty-five grand instead of hundred grand because they paid it with hard-earned cash that had been hard to get. And uh, sure enough, in January of 2015, they took a month off, and they had a chance to go sail, and their business is cranking, and their finances is good, and we shot a beautiful story of their life and put it as one of our good life stories on our website. And it encouraged a lot of folks. So the bottom line is, put the defense in place, and you can start enjoying now, let me give you the offensive strategy is once you have the work and home budget and pay down the consumer debt, you got your will, your automatic withdrawal, and now you have it built up to one month's reserves and savings. Now it's time to go on offense. And if you have a business, you need to invest in your business. If you don't have a business, you need to invest in yourself. Those would be the first things. You know, Ben Franklin said an investment paid in knowledge pays the greatest dividends. And Ben Franklin was America's first millionaire. So invest in your business. You've got to invest in a system that will help you generate leads. If you're just someone who wants to grow yourself, you've got to invest in yourself. The next thing you want to do is build equity in your home. You want to build equity in your home. If you have a home, build equity. Please don't use your home as an ATM. Now, I'm not going to say the number one economic strategy in life is to pay off your home. I actually don't believe that. And I think it's nice to have a paid off home. I've done it many times. But I would say that wouldn't be the number one goal. That makes people feel good. You want to make your money work for you. But you want to build equity in your home. So once you buy your home, don't keep borrowing against it. And then lastly, you you want to establish a retirement fund. No matter how young you are, you want to establish a retirement fund. No matter how old you are, it's never too late to start. We had a lady one time named Arlene Holt from Florida join our coaching program at 80 years of age. And for the next 17 years, she went on to build herself a financial fortress. So it's never too late to start, and it certainly is never too early to start. I've had all my kids funding their retirement programs since they were babies. They work. They save their money. But here's the thing. That's how fortunes are built because they get what Albert Einstein said is compound interest, which was the eighth wonder of the world. You know, 20% of the people in the States, according to the AARP have put off their retirement. That's 28% of people over the age of 60. So people are working longer, living longer. You need more of a retirement. So that's the uh, offensive side of things. So on the defensive side of stability, you want to have a work and home budget. You want to pay down the debt. You want to have a will, automatic savings, and one month reserves. On the offensive side of stability, you want to invest in yourself or in lead generation for your business. You want to build equity in your home. You want to establish a retirement fund. Once we have that, if you stay faithful to that, and by the way, the water keeps flowing into that. You keep having a budget when you have more money. Okay, You keep your consumer debt down when you have more money. You keep funding your retirement. You keep paying off your house. Now you're in a process where you won't lose it. Now your stability, you have a platform by which you can grow. And that's where you get to the next level. So now we get to go from stability to success. And let's talk about the defensive side of success. Now you want to go from reducing your consumer debt to having zero consumer debt. I don't believe someone's an economic success who has consumer debt and so just got to have it because that is a rate of return an expense factor that is undermining you getting to the next level now you go from having one month in reserves for your home to having three to six months again it's a defensive strategy by the way the united states i moved to in the mid-80s was a wonderland for me and it is the richest nation in the history of mankind more people have more resources in the United States than has ever existed in the history of mankind. The rank-and-file average person in America. The poor in America have a car and a TV and an iPhone. Uh, that's not the case of the poor in most parts of the world. So let me give you a statistic about the wealthiest nation that's ever existed in the history of mankind. 41% of Americans have less than $500 in savings. And that means if you have more than 500 bucks set aside in a savings account... You're in the top 59% of people in America with regards to economics. Let me share with you. You got to build that sucker up. We want you to get to three to six months. Once you do that, we want you to fully fund constantly your retirement plan. You know, at Buffini Company, we have a 401k plan. If somebody puts a a dollar into their 401k fund who works for me, I give them another dollar. Think about that. Somebody puts a hundred bucks in, I put a hundred bucks in and this gets a chance to grow tax-deferred. It's a phenomenal opportunity. Yet I have to work like the Dickens, even though we train, teach, and coach our own staff. I have to try like the Dickens. When we get a new employee, to make the shift to actually fund their retirement. Why? I understand living paycheck to paycheck, buying a consumer, but I'm like, you put 100 bucks in, I'm going to give you another 100 You got 200 bucks in savings in your retirement account. You put 500 bucks in, I'll give you 500 bucks, And I have to work like the Dickens to do that. Fully fund your retirement. By the way, the days are long, the years are short. You'll be retired before you know it. I have kids that are married. I have four of my kids driving cars. When did that happen? The days are long, the years are short. The last thing you want to do is utilize the 70-10-10 principle, which is learn to live on 70% of what you make. Save 10%, give 10%, invest 10%. It's a beautiful formula. If you're hearing me for the first time, it's a beautiful formula that I've taught for many, many years. Learn to live on 70% of what you make, and then 10, 10, 10. Save 10, give 10, invest 10, and you'll do great. So now I want to switch you from defense on the success bowl to offense. So now we're flowing. Picture that fountain. Stability bowls at the top, doing all the things at stability. You never stop doing those things. Now it flows into success. And I've given you the the defensive strategy to protect that second larger bowl. Protect it with zero consumer debt, with having three to six months reserves, with fully funding your retirement plan, and now following the 70-10-10 plan. Now you've protected that bowl. Now you can grow that bowl, that success bowl, that that fountain. Make it overflow. And the way you make it overflow to start with, get to 50% equity in your home at least. Keep paying it off. Keep paying it off. Keep chipping it down. Next, increase your revenue. By the way, people say, no, I work at a job and that's all they pay here. No, that's all they pay you there. They're paying someone else something else there. I don't know any company in the world where every single person at every level in the company makes the same amount. Here's the thing. You got to invest in yourself. You got to grow yourself. You got to bring more value to your hour so you can be valued more for your hour. If you have a business, you make the commitment to grow that sucker and build up your income. I would also say, for me, uh, one of the greatest ways to grow wealth is in investment. And, and for me, I never met a piece of real estate I didn't like. 67% of millionaires in America made their money invested in real estate. And one of these days, I'm going to do a podcast show on how to invest in real estate. And it's amazing to me, even people in the industry don't really know how to do that. But the fact of the matter is, two-thirds of millionaires are because they bought and held their real estate holdings. And so I'm encourage you To invest, buy real estate if you know real estate or want to know real estate. I think it's one of the simplest things to understand. There is obviously other outlets for investment, and I have those. I have stocks, and I have bonds, and I have retirement funds, and those kinds of things, and I get the help I need to do those things well. Okay? And so that's on the offensive side keep paying down your house, increase your ability to earn. I believe you can double your income as fast as you double your self esteem and then you gotta invest. You gotta invest and hopefully invest in what you know, and uh, I'll teach you how to invest in real estate, and you'll do well. I have four different outlets and strategies for how I built my fortune, and here's the way it works. Every day when I get up and I'm shaving in the mirror, there's Brian who goes to work, and then I have the four aspects of Brian's money that goes to work for him. And there are actually five Brian's that go to work every day. One of them gets in his car and drives here to the studio, And the other four guys, one heads to the real estate and one heads to the stocks, and they all head out. They all head out for me, and they all go to work for me every day. And God bless them all. In fact, those guys are working harder these days than I am. I'm having fun with you on a podcast, a podcast that we've made a commitment to stay pure and keep pure and not be pitching products and programs and sponsors to you every hour of every day. And so this is a great joy for me to do. I hope you're enjoying this. So on the offensive side, keep paying down your debt, keep increasing your income, and then put your money to work for you. Last but not least, the significance bowl, the altruistic, the giving back bowl. Well, in order for you to give back, the one thing I believe, the first thing and the most important thing to give back is your own time, energy, influence, and expertise. And if you build a financial fortune, you're someone people will listen to. So guess what? When I go help these charities, I don't just write them a check. I give them my advice on how to become financially stable or how to grow their influence or how to grow their contributor base. And so bringing yourself to these charities, things you believe in, that's an important thing. So here's some defensive pieces on that. When you get to significance financially, you want to get all your real estate holdings paid off. Okay? No matter what a recession happens, here's a good rule of thumb. A bank can foreclose on a property it doesn't have a mortgage on. And I'm going to tell you, paid off real estate that cash flows, that does well, that's one of the things that goes to work for me every day. And that money comes in no matter what the market's doing. Next, establish a trust, whether it's living, revocable, irrevocable, or charitable trust. And again, you're going to need some help on this. So now you're able to, when you establish a trust, you've gone from a will to something on steroids that really is about your economic financial legacy. And then the, the third thing I'd say is you want to have passive income. You want to have passive income. And passive income, I believe, the plan should be that it supports you until you're 100 years old. And that is you work because you want to, not because you have to. So what are the ways, whether it's real estate, whether it's annuities, whether it's dividends, where can you get passive income so that money's coming into you every single month that you don't have to go physically earn in the golden years of your life, okay? On the offensive side on the offensive side, of significance. You want to give your money and time to charities and ministries that you're passionate about. And I think time first, money second. I think once you embrace that, I think you also, if you've built a financial fortress, you want to then mentor others in this same millionaire mindset. You want to teach people how to do that. And then if you own a business, you want to set up your business so that it's true legacy. You know i look at businesses and i've seen some prodigious businesses that were owned by people and they did not set up their leadership to take over their business when they became advanced in age or poor in health and i'm just going to say to you i don't believe you're a leader if you don't develop leaders if you have a business you have to develop people up inside your organization today at buffini company uh, we're 20 years in business my brother dermot is the ceo of the company my younger brother and i'd like to tell people he's the best ceo we ever had Uh, And I've been the CEO of the company twice. But the fact of the matter is, I raised that guy up and I developed that guy for a lot of years. And now what is Dermot doing? He's raising up leaders and developing. He says all the time, he says, I'm trying to find out who's going to replace me. And so if you own a business, you want to make sure that's part of that. So we talked about the culture, attitude towards money. We've talked about the high performance mindset with regards to money. And we've talked about the defensive and offensive strategies of each level you can get to economically. First, financial stability, then financial success, and then financial significance. I'll finish this with a story that's probably the most meaningful to me. And I can tell you all kinds of things and experiences I've had or things I've acquired and places I live and whatever else. But I'm going to say to you, at the end of the day, building a financial fortress and a financial fortune is all about what you can do for the people you love and those you love to be with and ultimately those you want to give to and support. My all-time favorite economic story is about my mom and dad. And it was a little over 20 years ago where I got a phone call from my mom. I'm a blue-collar kid from a blue-collar family. My dad's been a house painter his whole life, just like his father before him and his father before him and his father before him. And my dad, we didn't have any money. Uh, my dad has never had money. But my dad invested in his kids. And that's really my dad's legacy. And he's a great dad. Well, one day I got a phone call 20 years ago from my mom. And you got to remember where I came from. You know, my parents never called me. I mean, at home, there would be a phone call once a month. We were the first people on our street with the phone. People would come and use the phone in our neighborhood and drop off a couple shillings after using it. There were 48 homes on our street. We're the only ones with a phone. So back when I first emigrated, there was no Skype. There was no text messaging. You know, my kids, my parents, grandkids, my kids get to interact with their grandparents all the time through these different vehicles. But that wasn't the case back in the day. So when I got a phone call from my mom, it was like the second time in 10 years I got a phone call from her. Now, I was in touch with her all the time, but they never used the phone. It was expensive to make international calls. And the previous call was a death in the family. So when I got a phone call over 20 years ago one morning, I wasn't expecting the best. I get on the phone. My mom goes, hey, Brian, I'm worried about your dad. He's up on a ladder, 28 feet tall. He's painting gutters. She goes, it's howling wind. It's freezing cold. And he's got arthritis. And she goes, Brian, I'm worried about your dad. And I said, "Okay, mom, no sweat. I've been working hard for a long time. And I'm ready for this phone call and I said tell dad when he gets home tonight from work give me a call so he did and I said dad I have been following a little formula for a long time in order to take care of business and I'm in great shape and I said mom told me right now you know you're painting and it's cold and it's and you other. I go dad you know what you and mom have been on an airplane once in your life that was to come to my wedding in San Diego I said from this day on I want you to know you're done I got your back I'm your retirement I said I want you to go take mom all over the world you guys love to golf I want you to golf in the best golf courses in the world I want you to come to California and hang out with me and my brothers and our families and come for a week at a time a month at a time six months at a time eventually they were coming for six months at a time with a place we bought down by the beach for them and I talked to my dad that day and I was expecting a hell of a fight this guy is a proud man who's worked his whole life but he looked at me and he said no this sounds great I'm in good And at first I was like, oh my God, this is real. But I want you to know that getting my dad off that ladder 20 some years ago, and he and my mom have traveled the world. And they have been together and they have been to all over Europe. They've played golf at the Masters and at Pebble Beach and you name it, they've been there and they've lived the life of Riley. And on his last trip here to California for my son's wedding, he and my dad and mom were sitting around. They just said, we've had the best 20 years of our life together the last 20 years. And here's the thing, what got my dad off that ladder was this simple little formula I've shared with you today. What got my dad and mom to travel the world was when I went into the department store and they offered me a store card and I said no. What got my dad off the ladder is following a sequence to pay off debt and stay out of debt and pay down the house and a sequence to invest in real estate and to grow my business and grow myself. So when the day came, I was able to be the retirement for my mom and dad without any impact on our lifestyle as a family with me and my wife and kids at all. And that is the stuff. I began with a cautionary tale today of a man who was a lovely spirit and a lovely person who was out of sequence and lived with the cart out in front of the horse and eventually the cart crushed him and killed him. But I finished today with an example of a story of my own mom and dad. And I can tell you this, you know, they're getting old now, they're in their mid-80s and every year we have with them is precious. But if my mom and dad passed, I will tell you that I'll have nothing but joy and sweetness and nothing but a smile when I think of them, especially in this latter part of their life and nothing but a sense of satisfaction that the work I've done has been meaningful in many, many ways and been meaningful to my own mom and dad as well. And to be honest with you, that's my hope and prayer for anybody here today, that you could do that type of stuff for those you love and care about. Well, I hope you enjoyed this program. And if you did, I'm going to ask you for a favor. I want you to share it with your friends. Do you know anybody who could use a little financial help or encouragement or inspiration? If you can and you think of them, tell them to go and subscribe for free. They can afford that to The Brian Buffini Show. Our goal is to positively influence as many folks as we can. And I hope this has been a positive influence for you today. There's a good life waiting for you. We want to help you get there. So as I finish here today, I want to leave you with an Irish blessing that my grandfather always said. May the roads rise up to meet you and may the winds always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, Webb Johnson, may God hold you in the hollow of his hands. We'll see you next time.